going. So today's daf is daf non gimel, page fifty-three. And we uh, we are a little bit down on non gimel already. We're up to boy mine rav yemar saba, which is we'll count from the top. I'm going to estimate seventeen lines from the top. Give me one moment. Let's see. Boy mine. Yeah, 17 lines, 17 lines from the top of the Amud. Now, what we're going to handle on today's daf is we're going to continue dealing with fascinating situations which are outcomes of a woman losing her ksuba. Now, sometimes a woman could lose her ksuba for reasons, okay? There's reasons why the chazal, the, why the cham will take away her ksuba. Sometimes she'll sell the rights to her ksuba. Sometimes she'll be meichel. The rights to her ksuba. Now, as we explained the Mishnah, ligging, living <clears throat> within the ksuba are certain responsibilities that a husband has to a wife. For example, the specific uh, scenario that we're dealing with is where a woman comes into the marriage with a dowry. So in the ksuba, it's usually written that upon collection of the ksuba and, upon, and after that upon death, only her descendants are going to be the ones who inherit the dowry that she brought in, as opposed to other sons of the husband who usually inherit the father. No, whatever she brings in is going to be inherited directly. If she were to die and the husband inherits her, it's still going to only be inherited by her descendants and not by, uh, and not by a collection of all of his descendants. But what if she's Michael the Ksuba? What if the Ksuba is sold? Does she also lose the rights now to the Ksuba has been indifferent? Right? It's very interesting. Is that all part of the ksuba now that there's no ksuba anymore so they don't get it? Or is that something that's automatic? That's going to be a big topic of today's daf. So here we go. Okay, 17 lines to the top of the Gimelam Rav Saba says to Rav Nachman, If a woman sells her ksuba to her husband, now this is really against halacha, because a, a couple is only allowed to live together if there's a ksuba in order to protect the wife. But let's say she sold the rights to her ksuba to her husband. We're going to ask what about Michael? What about Mechila? What if she forgives it? But here she sold the rights to her husband. Does, is she not only losing the rights to the 200 zuz of her ksuba, or do we say she's also giving over the rights to the ksuba and so now her descendants are not going to be the ones to collect it specifically? Interesting Shaila. So Amalei Rava, Rava responds, and he says, again, this question wasn't asked to him. The question was asked to Rav Nachman. But Rava's hearing the question, and Rava says, one second. You're asking about when she sells the rights to her husband. Why would she sell the rights? Probably because she needs money. Okay? Probably because she needs money. But interestingly, you could have mentioned, you could have asked the same Shailah, what if she forgives her ksuva? Now, Rashi explains to us over here, that there's a greater chance of a woman forgiving her ksuva because of the positive relationship with her husband than a woman having to sell the rights to her ksuva because her husband's not giving her enough money or because, you know, whatever the circumstances around, she wants more, she wants to go shopping and the husband's not willing to, you know, to uh, sponsor uh, a wardrobe full of expensive items. Pick your favorite brand. Yeah, but uh, so she sells the rights to her ksuva. So, so says Rebbe, why don't you ask about... Uh, about being Michael the Ksuba. So Amar Lacey explains, no. I'll tell you why I'm not mentioning Mechila, 
even though I would agree, by the way, I would agree that Mechila could be the same Shaila, I think there's an Ad Chiddush when she sells the rights to her husband. What's the Ad Chiddush? So this is interesting. I'm asking about when she sells the ksuba. Now, why would she sell the rights to her ksuba? It's got to be there's some sort of pressure that she's feeling financially. There's a reason. There's a reason. Why would a person give up the rights to ksuba? But through a sale. Must be a reason. The Afalgav, even though the Ikalameimar Zuzayonsua, even though we're going to say that it's money that violated her, meaning it's money that's forcing her to sell her ksuba, the Amina Kamandukamachula Maya Ukli Bukhla. I'm going to say, you know what? It's kind of like she's receiving, uh, she's being whipped with heavy weights. Okay? And Ukhla is, uh, is a heavy weight. So she's feeling some sort of uh, forced. Pressure, some sort of pressure. And we're going to say, you're right. You know, when she wants to be it, you don't even ha- you wouldn't even have to ask that question. If we're going to ask a question and get an answer when she's forced, so then certainly, it's kind of like a Kabbalah certainly when she wants to be it on her own, when there's no force, there's greater reason to say that maybe her children will not inherit it anymore because she's doing it willingly. She's willingly giving up all her rights to the ksuba when she's being meichel. Okay? So again, Rabbi says to him, why don't you ask about a sale? I'm sorry, you asked about a sale. Why don't you ask about mechila? He says, you're right. But I feel a sale is a bigger chiddush to ask about. So we have our question. Okay, the question is, a woman sells the rights to her ksuba. She sells the rights to her husband. The benin dichrin, the agreement that the dowry that she brings into the marriage and goes specifically to her children, is that still in play or did she sell those rights too? All right, so here we go. Amar Rava. Rava says, Pshita Li. It is simple to me. Okay, it's clear to me. Mycheres ksuvasa la'achir. If she sells the rights to her ksuva to somebody else. Okay, you have this, you know, Think of this as a simple example. People sometimes sell their life insurance to other people, right? Until now, you had your own rights to life insurance, the family. You sell off the rights. Somebody says, you know, I'll purchase your life insurance policy from you for less. This way you still have money in life. So she sells the rights of collecting the ksuba to another party, to somebody else. Okay. Now, even though she sold that to somebody else, the obligation of the husband to inherit the property back to specifically her children, to, to, that her dowry will be inherited by her children, remains in place. My time, oh, why? Zuze Ansua, because we say she was never really Michael, that part of it. She just needs money right now. It's money that kind of, that, that kind of forced it, but as far as her wanting her sons to be the ones who inherit her dowry, that remains in place. Let's say she's Michael, she forgives the ksuba to her husband. Then, her children do not become the only ones who inherit the dowry. Why not? When she was Michael the ksuba, she's Michael it completely. When she forgives the ksuba, she's completely forgiving the ksuba. So she's not only forgiving the collection of the money, what she's doing is she's completely forgiving any sort of responsibility, financial responsibility that the husband has to her or her children. Okay? So, Ravo, so we had a question. The question was, 
What happens in a case where she's Michael Luxuba, where she sells Luxuba? Rav is coming with an answer. And the answer is like this. If she's losing the Ksuva because she wants money, there's some sort of financial pressure here, she still expects to retain the Ksuva has been indifferent. She still expects to retain the rights that her children will be the only ones to inherit her. But if she's Michael, if she's forgiving it without any financial pressure, then once you forgive, you forgive. And her children are not going to be the only ones who inherit the dowry. Boy, Rava. Rava asked a question searching for information. My Kheras Ksuvasa Lebala. What is Allah Shazal's Ksuva to her husband? So now, how do you view it? Yeah? Is it like selling to somebody else and she holds on to the right? Or do we say no? We said the same thing. Whenever there is financial pressure, is the reason why she's selling it? She retains the rights to Ksuva has been indifferent. That's a challenging question on this halacha. Mesa. All right. So now, thank you, Hashem, for having learned Yuvamas. Ah. So let's get into the next case. We need a little bit of introduction. Ravidi Barabin is going to challenge from a Mishnah in Yuvamas. And remember, listen, listen to the following case. The case is like this. An Eid Echad, a single witness, comes and tells us that a woman's husband dies. Remember that case? What did we say? She's allowed to rely on that testimony, but she's got to do her own research. So the Chazal, the Chachamim, instituted a fine on her if he shows up. What happens if the husband does show up in the end? She relied on a single witness. If the husband comes walking through the door a year later, what do we say? She's not allowed to remain married to him, and she loses her ksuba. Right? It's a fine of the Chacham. See, here's a fascinating situation. Let's bring that case into our Gemara and Ksubis and, and put it all together. Let's think about this. You have a woman who, re, who married a second fellow upon testimony of an Eid Echad. Then her husband shows up. Does she get her ksuba anymore? No. What about, do her children still, are they the only ones to inherit her dowry? When we say she loses her ksuba, does she lose like the money to be paid to her or does she lose every stipulation of the ksuba, including the endecher? Okay, so here we go. Mesa, in Yarshin Shalzev, in Yarshin Shalzev, Yarshin Ksuvasa, right? We said she has to leave both husbands and she doesn't get any Ksuvas. So we say, neither sets of children from either husband inherit her Ksuva. Bavinamba, and we asked in Yavamas, we said, Ksuvasa, my there's no Ksuva. What do you mean they don't inherit her Ksuva? She lost her Ksuva, right? We said the Chazal fine the Ksuva, the Yamar of Papa, and her Papa explained, Ksuva has been in we're dealing with neither one of them get any ksuvas ben indichren agreement. The amai, one second. Listen to this. Why don't they get ksuvas ben indichren? Why did she remarry? She's desperate to be married. Same as a woman who sells her ksuba. She's desperate for money. Over here, she, just, she wants to be married. She wants to be married. She's not, it's not a mechila type of situation. She's being meichalit. She was feeling pressure. Let's say her Yitzhahara, Yitzhahara, you know, kind of uh, connived her into remarrying the same as Yitzhahara, you know, getting uh, us to make these, these sometimes uh, unfortunate business decisions of selling the ksuba. So ask the Gemara on Rava, why are you telling me whenever there's a pressure causing her to give up on the ksuba, she still gets it over here. You see there's pressure causing her to remarry and her children are not getting the ksuba has different. So Gemara answers, you can't connect the two. You know why? Hasam in Yuvamis. 
The Rabbonon find they knas, they made a fine on her ksuba. What's the fine? Lady, you're relying on a single witness. You got to do your own research. So over there, did she do something wrong? Yeah. So when she's doing something wrong, you know, we're going to say, your children are going to lose the ksuba's been indifferent. We're finding you. The same way we're finding your ksuba, we're going to find that. You know why? Because we want to make sure that if you're ever going to remarry a second fellow based upon one witness, you sure better know what you're doing. However, in our case, where a woman sells her ksuba to her husband, is anything forbidden? Did she do anything usher? No, it's not recommended. There's a reason why there's a ksuba in place. But you, d- 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 are we going to fine her? No, there's no fine. Since there's no fine, maybe we'll say she lost the rights of collecting the value of the ksuba, but she never gave up the rights of her children being the ones to inherit the dowry. Get the difference. Yeah, by one, she did something wrong, so we'll take it away. Otherwise, she didn't do anything wrong, so we'll remain in place. Bottom line is, there's no challenge on Rava's, on Rava's halacha. Rava's sticking to his guns, and he's saying, if she sells the rights to her ksuba, whether it's to her husband, whether it's to somebody else, she still retains the rights of ksuba aspen Her children, are st- her direct descendants are the only ones who are going to inherit the dowry. Okay. Beautiful. End of that discussion. All right, new discussion based upon another circumstance surrounding Ksuvas Benindichrin. Okay? Her descendants being the ones to inherit. Here we go. Yosef Ravin Barchanina. Ravin Barchanina was sitting. Kamei de Ravchista. In front of Ravchista. The Yosef, Vika Omar, Mishmei de Rebbe And in front of Ravchista, he was sitting and quoting Rebbe Lazar. All right? So they're sitting together. And what do you didn't do when we sit together? We talk about tzaddikim, talk about Tyra, yeah. So he said in the name of Rabbi Lazar, my chelas ksuvasa lebala. If a wife forgives her ksuba to her husband, she tells her husband, you know, if anything ever happens, I'm Michael. I forgive the ksuba. Ain la mezaynais. Ain la mezaynais. You know what that means? If the husband dies, the children don't need to feed her anymore because. The only reason my children need to feed their father's widow is because their father wrote it in the ksuba that his estate is going to support her. If she forgave the ksuba, so she forgave the need for the estate to support her. So that's what he said. So listen to what happens. Such a beautiful message. Omar Lay, so Rav Chista said back to Rabbi Hanina who quoted Rabbi Lazar, he said... Let me tell you something. You're lucky you quoted Rabbi Lazar. Because if you didn't quote such a great person, I would have said to you, absolutely not. You cannot say she should not be supported by the estate. You know why? She certainly should be supported. A person who repays goodness with badness is in trouble. You know what that means? She forgave the ksuba to your father. That is called generous. And because she did something nice to you, you're going to go ahead and cause her to lose out when she becomes a widow? Ech. You didn't don't do that. You didn't don't do that. Basically he's saying, you're lucky, Gordon Belazer, because in Hashkafa, as they say, 
in worldview, in the way that a yid is supposed to treat us. Somebody's generous to you, somebody has goodwill, they do good to you, don't bite their hand. Even if it's not the hand that feeds you, don't bite their hand. Be kind to them as well. Take care of this widow. She's much your father's tsuba. You should use the estate to support her. Period. End of that story. Here we go. Another story. Yosef Rav Nachman v'ula v'abimi kamei v'amibi bar Rav Papi. Rav Nachman, Ula, and Avimi bar Papi were together. The Yosef Rav Chia bar Ami gabayu. Rav Chia bar Ami was sitting with them. Also, who gavra deshchiv arusasei. There was a fellow who came, the Shachiv Arusasa. His Arusa was lying in a horizontal position. Okay, she died. So he had, uh, he, he had been married in the first stage of marriage. He never moved in with his wife. And his wife dies. Okay. So now, Amr Amri Lay, they said to him, Zil Kvar Ayhavlok Suvasa. Listen, you are obligated to pay for her burial. Go bury her or pay out her ksuba. Now remember, part of the ksuba was, written in the ksuba, is that, you know, um, in place of her receiving the ksuba, you are going to take care of her bury. Okay. Amulu Rechia. So Rechia said, one second. Tanina, didn't we, didn't we learn in the Mishnah, Ishtai, Arusa, if a person has a wife who's only in Arusa, he doesn't have the halachas of an Ainin, meaning he's not considered an immediate relative as far as the laws of Aninus is concerned. You know, we, we, the halacha of an Onin is somebody whose immediate relative dies and they haven't yet had the burial. So you're in your state of Onin. So he doesn't have a state of Onin. And also if he's a Kayin, he cannot attend her funeral. He cannot let her become impure for her. And similarly, if let's say he dies when they're only at the stage of Arusa, she also is not considered enough of a wife to be called an Ainin. And she um, she's not obligated to become Tame to her, I guess if she's a Kehenes. Mesa, if she dies, in a Yarsha, he also does not inherit her. Mace who, if he dies, she will collect her Ksuva. Now what's the inference of this? The reason why there's going to be a ksuva is because he died. Let's say she dies first. There's no ksuva. So if there's no ksuva, you don't need to pay for her burial either. Says Gemara, no, no, my time. You know why you're not, you're not, you don't have to pay for a burial? The reason why, in that case, he's not obligated to pay for her burial is because... We don't, we, we don't want it to exist within her a wording that's written in the Ksuba. It says in the Ksuba, When you, my wife, ever marry another man, titli, you could take what I already wrote to you. Meaning, as long as the husband's still alive, he hasn't yet died, he doesn't have any of this um, any of this uh, obligation, and he's also because he's also not going to inherit it, inherit her. Since he's not going to inherit her, and the obligation to pay for her burial is the transaction of that. Okay, because the husband would inherit the wife, he's obligated to pay for her burial. This was the trade-off in this situation where he's not going to inherit her. Hence, he's not obligated to pay for her burial. When Ravan came to Talmud Bavli, he came to Babel. 
He said in the name of Rishlakish, Arusa Shemisa Ein Laksuba. If you have an Arusa that dies, Ein Laksuba. There's no, um, there's no, uh, she doesn't receive any rights to her Ksuba. Amalei Abaye, Abaye says, one second. Zilu, uh, Zilu Amri Lei, go and say, Top of Amad Bey, Shekila Tivusech Shadya Achizri, um, that you should know the shkila tuvasech. Take your goodness, shadya, and throw it achizre. Achizre is uh, referring to like a bush. Kvar tirgum aravaisia lishmate bebavel. Ravaisia already explained this in bavel, meaning he already taught us, like we learned before, that if you're only in a stage of arusa, you're only in the first stage of marriage where there's not going to be any inheritance. So the obligation to bury her, starting from the ksuba, doesn't exist as well. Okay, he's not arguing, but he say, basically what he's saying is, you know, he didn't help me at all. We already knew this halacha. Beautiful. Okay. Two dots. We're at the colon. Period. Here we go. Second line. 53b. Back to quoting our Mishnah. Our Mishnah went through various um, obligations that are listed in the writing of in Aksuba. So here we go. In Aksuba, a husband is obligated to write to his wife, Binan Nukvan, Nukvan is expression of Nekeva, children that are Nekevas, girls, okay, female children, that you have for me. So girl children that you have together. That we have together. He writes in the Ksuba, will be supported by my estate until they get married. All right? That's what you write in the Ksuba. Rav Tani, Rav taught us, Ad Shatilachan Legaivrin. What you're supposed to write in the Ksuba is, the girls that we have together will be supported by my estate until they're taken by men. That's the expression. The Levi Tani, but Levi taught us, Ad Shatibagran. You don't write in the Ksuba that they're supported till they're taken by men, which means till they get married. But rather we write in the Ksuba, they'll be supported by my estate until they become adults. Until she becomes a Bagaris. Once she becomes a Bagaris, go work for yourself. She can, she can go get a job. She doesn't need to be supported by my estate. Okay? So dispute over what the husband's responsibility is. Support the daughters till their marriage or support the daughters until adulthood. The Rav Afagav de Bagar, the Levi Afagav de Insiv, says the Gemara, just to clarify, when Rav says that you write until you get married, does that mean even though she's a Bagaras, you keep doing this till she's married? The Levi Afagav de Insiv, and Levi who says until she becomes a Bagaras means even though, let's say she had Nisuin as a Nara, are you still going to be supported until you reach the age of Bagaras? No, let's clarify these positions. Do they mean exclusively or not? Allah says the Gemara, if she becomes a Bagaras, but she's not yet married. She married, she's not yet a Bagaras. Nobody argues, everybody agrees, you no longer need to support her. She's in Arusa, but she's not yet a Bagaras. Okay, so here's the situation. You have a girl who's young. She has Arison. Her husband's not yet feeding her. But she's married. So, do you keep supporting her with the father's estate or not? Rav says, no, you don't support her anymore because she's taken by a man. And Levi says, 
Oh, listen, she's not yet a Begaris. And therefore, she's still supported. That you need both. Okay? So, if she becomes a complete Nesua, there's no longer any support. Says the Gemara, Tarti, do you need both? Why, do you need, why would you need both? Yeah, in other words, let's say you have a young girl who even had Nesuan. So she fully moved in with her husband. You're going to tell me the, husband's, the father's estate is still supporting her? Ella rather, says the Gemara, to explain, Ad tibagron Either she became a Begeres, or the husband takes on, the, it really means the time came for Nesuan, but the, whenever the time of Nesuan arrives, that's when the husband's estate starts with his responsibility to support her. So either way, and whether, you know, when either one of these things happen, we no longer use the father's estate to support her, Kitanoi, and this Machlikas is actually similar to a Machlikas Tanoim. Armosai Habas Nizoynes. You have a guy who passes away. Until when do we support his daughters from his estate? Says the Bryson, Adshatiaris, until a man comes and takes her in Arison. Mishumra Balazar Amru, Adshatibagar. Until she becomes a Bagaris. So again, two expressions one expression of marriage, one expression of Bagaris. Tanir Basic Basic taught us, Ad Dahavyan, until they. Uh, until they become at the Hagen. The basis says you take care of them with their father's estate until they become. Says the Gemara, what does that mean? Yibailu. That's the question, searching for information. Let's understand Rabbi Yosef. Havoyo de'erison, they become what? They become an Arusa? Havoyo de'erison. Or they become fully married. What does Rabbi Yosef mean? Take it, we're not sure. Okay. Tishbi yataritz, kushes vabayis, wait for the Yohan to come. Did Yehuda ever tell you about whether a girl who's in Arusa continues to receive Mezainais from her father's estate or not? We just let her take it. He says, no. Did Yehuda ever tell you the halacha? He says back to him, No, I never heard from my Rebbe Rebbe Yehuda. Okay, he says, I'll tell you what my logic tells me. I'll tell you Svara. Svara is, if my daughter's husband is not yet going to support her because she's only in Arusa, she hasn't moved in with him yet, the father wants his estate to take care of her. He says, I didn't hear from my Rebbe. I'm just telling you what I think. You want to know if the guy's daughter has been acquired by a man but hasn't moved in with him, so he's not supporting her yet. Does the vows of state take care of her? Logic will dictate, yeah, the vows of state should continue to take care of her. Amarlei, he says, He says, listen, he never heard anything explicitly about this halacha. Misvara isla. Yeah? He says, well, one second. He says, if you didn't hear this halacha directly, I will tell you that the father, that, yeah, that the father's estate should support her because the, the, the father is not assuming that the husband is not going to take her in. Meaning, meaning the assumption is that the husband ultimately is going to do Nisun. 
Does the husband ultimately, is he for sure going to do Nisuin? No. There's a possibility he's never going to take her in. Maybe he'll just hand her a get. And since we don't know for sure whether the second stage of marriage is going to be, uh, is going to be uh, carried through, okay? So the husband is not going to lay out his own money on her behalf. Some say, I didn't hear anything about this from Rabbi Since we don't know for sure that the husband's going to marry her, the husband's not necessarily going to take on the support. You didn't hear this explicitly. So you, you don't really have a svara either, meaning it's, we're going to be unsure what the halacha is. Why? Kivan de'erza. Since the husband did nisu and lenechalei ditizal, he's also not willing to have her not be fed. It's a granted, maybe he's not going to ultimately marry her. But what? Is, so what's, what's the other option? This girl's a yisayma; she's an orphan. Let's say the father's estate is not supporting her. So you want this girl who you're married to in the first stage of marriage, Erison? You acquired her. You want her to go knocking on doors begging? You don't want that either. And therefore, we're going to assume that the husband want the, the husband's going to want his uh, finances to be the one to support her. Okay. Here we go. Two dots. Wrapping up today's daf. We're going to end off with a few different quick question answers. Here we go. Simon de Gavre Shok Zaraf. The way to remember the next few questions and answers are by the words Shok Zaraf. Shin Kof Zayin Reish Pei. Ma'amona v'yavama shniya arusa va'anusa. Okay, we're going to now talk about a Yavama, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a Miana, a girl who refuses the marriage that her mother and brother got her involved in. A Yavama, a Shnia, remember? Remember Shnia is a Shnia la Rais. And uh, in Arusa and in Anusa, a woman who is raped and violated. So here we go. What are these five questions concerning these five different types of situations? Here we go. First Shaila, first question. Bowman Amir of Sheshis. They asked the question searching for information from Rav Sheshis. Here's question number one. Mima Enes, a girl's an orphan. Her mother and brother marry her off. She can refuse the marriage. She doesn't need a get. Remember? What, what type of refusal? Even if she says to the cashier in the store, we learned in Yavamas, I don't like my husband. Marriage is over. It's done. Okay? She refuses the marriage. Remember, she's an orphan. So now that she refused the marriage, could, do we use the father's estate to take care of her or not? Fascinating. Why is it fascinating? If she was never married, so then we certainly use the father's estate to support her. But over here, she was married and refused the marriage. So do we use it to support her? So he answers, A widow in her father's house, a divorcee in her father's house, a woman waiting for Yavam, they get supported. While she's still in her father's house, then she gets fed in the Mazinus. It seems we read the same opinion as Tanakama, but obviously not. They're arguing. So, Elulav, what's the, how do we clarify this? How, what's the difference of opinion? A girl who's walking away from a marriage through a refusal. Meaning, Tanakama Sover Isla, Tanakama says you'd still use the father's estate to take care of her. Rebuta Sover Lesser. Rebuta says nothing doing. All right, question, answer. That had to do with the girl refusal. Bottom line, what do you have here? Machlaikis. All right? So, girl refused to use the father's estate? Machlaikis. Tanakama and Rebuta. Next shayla, boy revelate reish lapish. Pas yivama, yesh lo mezaynais, ayein la mezaynais. If the the daughter of a yivama, okay, so you have a yivam, does she receive mezaynais or not? Okay. So what happens is like this: you have a woman who's 
they, whose husband dies, they're childless. She marries the husband's brother through Yavam, and they have a daughter. Then the Yavam dies. The question is, this girl, does she also inherit the original estate? Since we say that the ksuva of the second husband really is continuing the ksuva of the first husband because the second marriage is just a continuation of the first marriage to Lesla, she doesn't get it because it's not her father. If the mother would not have received the ksuva from the first husband, she would receive the ksuva from the second husband to Kinnabara Baramishini. Yes, she does get it. Again, you know what our answer is here? Teku, not sure. So the first one we had about Chaykes. This time, you know what we're answering? We've got to wait for Eliyahu Navi. Eliyahu Navi is going to come and answer the question. Until then, if it ever happens, take the money, put it in S&P 500, keep it safe. Safe as possible. I don't know if it's so safe nowadays, even S&P, right? But uh, yeah, keep it safe. Wait for Eliyahu Navi to come. Third question, by Rebbe Lazar. Rebbe Lazar says, the daughter of a marriage that's forbidden rabbinically because of a secondary uh, arias, does she receive mezainis or not? Okay, do we do we use the vows of state to support this daughter that really came about through an illegitimate uh, situation? Stigmara says, "What's the question?" And we'll end with this: since the mother doesn't receive a ksuba at all, less than the daughter doesn't get any support because the support is dependent on the ksuba. If it's a forbidden marriage, the mother, the mother doesn't get a ksuba. Or maybe the avri surah. Listen, the parents did something forbidden. Kansuah rabbanis, the rabbanon knas the mother. Ihi, what the girl do? What the daughter do? She was born from this, uh, from this forbidden marriage. Okay, what did she do? So, like Kansuah rabbanon, let her be supported by the father's estate. Answer the Gemara, take also, we're going to wait for Leo Hanavi to come. We've got two more questions. We'll hold it here for today. Bezajem will pick up tomorrow evening from question number four. Have a wonderful week and a good chaydish. Everybody, let's quickly talk. Mincha Marv this week is 7.15. So, Shkia is 7.38. We'll be done Marv at about 7.55. Let's make Dafiyam at 8.10 this week. Yeah, so Dafyan will be 8, 10 p.m. Central, Bez Hashem. All right, have a wonderful week, everybody. Zagabenched.